Welcome to the Psalms, a call to words podcast where timeless truths shape today's words. I am your host, David Bunce, and I hope that you will be blessed as we journey through the great songbook of the Bible. Psalm 56 follows in the same pattern as Psalm 55, where David is in trouble and he is asking for God's deliverance. In this one, he dives straight into the difficulty and asks for God's deliverance, recognizing the pain and the trouble and asking for his trust to be put in God, delighting in the Lord, delighting in his word. And this psalm drives us to understand the goodness of following God and how even when our fears rise, our faith can be an ever-present hope. Psalm 56. To the choir master, according to the dove on far-off terebinths, a mictem of David when the Philistines seized him in Gath. Be gracious to me, O God, For man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long. For many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps, as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in this day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. This psalm expands on the idea of trusting God, and in this very specific instance of David's life, he turns to God and reminds his own soul, his own heart, that when he is afraid, he can trust in God. It begins with that interesting title. It is set to the silent dove in distant lands. This uh, silent dove, perhaps it is a certain song that actually this psalm was sung to, or it could also be a remembrance of what dove symbolizes. It symbolizes redemption, symbolizes peace, symbolizes hope, especially as we think of Noah or later Jonah. Jonah, who is actually named Dove. When he comes to Nineveh, he is supposed to bring restoration, revitalization. Of course, we know in Jonah's case, that is not what he was hoping for. David is hoping for deliverance, hoping for trust, hoping for strength in the midst of his fears and his anxieties. It is true that it is possible for fear and trust to coexist. In fact, as Charles Spurgeon observes in this psalm, he feared, but that fear did not fill the whole area of his mind. For he adds, I will trust in thee. It is possible, then, for fear and faith to occupy the mind at the same moment. 
We can certainly think of the disciples when so many times there were things that made them afraid and they even had Jesus there with them. And he tells them, do not fear, do not be afraid. In fact, 365 times in scripture, we are told to not fear, even though we are faced with fearful, fearsome circumstances, we ultimately come to the conclusion that David does. If we know God and if we trust in him, what can flesh do to me? What is it possible that someone could bring into my life that would take away the joy and the hope that ultimately lies lies at the cornerstone, at the root of all of my hope? All of my joy is founded in Christ, and His tr- the trust that I have in Him is ultimately unshakable, not because of my abilities, but because of the power and might of God Himself. Stephen Charnock talks on this and says, A divine spark may live in the smoke of doubts without a speedy rising into a flame. When grace is at the bottom of doubting, there will be reliance on Christ and lively petition to him. Then he offers this example. Peter's faith staggers when he begins to sink, but he casts a look and sends forth a cry to his Savior, acknowledging his sufficiency. We can think of Matthew 14, 30, where Peter cries out, Lord, save me. Well, here, the psalmist is doing the same thing, asking for God to rescue him. When we are in the midst of our own difficulties and struggles, where is it we run? And who do we cry out to? It must be to the Lord. What's wonderful in this psalm is a very specific aspect of that is called to our attention. Specifically, in verse 8, he says that you, talking to the Lord, have kept count of my tossings. Also could be wanderings. Uh, God knows when it is that we struggle, when we fear, when we have times of anxiety or depression. God is fully acquainted with it, understands it, acknowledges it. And what does he do with those times? Does he say, just get over it and get back to life? No, actually, the psalmist says that God puts his tears in his bottle. How incredible is it to consider what picture is being painted here? God cares so much for the trials and sufferings and fears of the psalmist that he takes his tears and doesn't only wipe them away, he puts them in a bottle. He stores them. He collects them. How precious are the tears that are cried from the saints of God in acknowledging the hope that is found even in the midst of our fears. This is such a precious verse, and it calls to mind another psalm, Psalm 39, verse 12, where the psalmist had said, Hear hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears, for I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all my father's. Psalm 39, 12 is again explained here in Psalm 56. God cares so much in those wanderings that he puts our tears in a bottle. He also asks, are they not in your book? What book is this? Well, we can think of Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, where uh, the prophet says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention to them and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. Then, once more, you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. So here we see that division that's so clear throughout the book of Psalms that we have a righteous, blessed path where God hears our cries collects our tears, and writes our name in a book of remembrance. How wonderful to reflect on the future hope that God still has a book. 
He still has one that he will open in which he remembers us. He remembers our tears, he remembers our frame, and he remembers our sins no more. He remembers our uh, salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so to be written in that book, in the book of life that is uh, purchased with the blood of the Lamb, how wonderful to know that God will still have us written in that book. The psalmist hopes in that kind of deliverance as well, and because of this, he rejoices in who God is, and not only his character, but he trusts in his word. He hopes in his word. He delights in his word because of who God is, and that praising him, we shall find the strength and the courage in the midst of fear. David ultimately comes to the realization that his vows to God must be performed. He must be faithful to God. This is not what earns him a stand standing before God, but it is out of the abundance of love and the gratefulness of forgiveness that is offered in a walking with God. Finally, it concludes with this deliverance that God is offering from death, a new life, a resurrection to keep David from falling. Why? That he may walk before God in the light of life. Eternity has begun today. For everybody who is in Christ, we have a purpose, a goal, and it's assured in the salvation that is given. For those that are outside of Christ, you are still created with a purpose. You matter. And yet, you are called to something even greater. Because while we have this life, if we want the next one to be filled with light and joy and hope and peace, it must be found in the presence of God walking in Him. Spurgeon says here in the realization that we must walk before God in the light of life is the loftiest reach of a good man's ambition, to dwell with God, to walk in righteousness before Him, to rejoice in His presence and in the light and glory which it yields. May that be our pursuit, a single-minded, single-hearted devotion to seeing God's glory manifested and the wonderful light of life that we can enjoy His presence and trust in Him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this psalm. Thank you for reminding us we can cry out to you in the midst of feeling like we are oppressed and trampled. We can ask for you to be gracious, that you will hear us, that we do not have to fear the things of this world. In fact, we have nothing to fear because you have conquered sin and death and the grave and Satan and all the powers of darkness. May we be stirred up to love you to love your word, to delight in your word, to remember that you collect our tears, you care for us so much that you know the number of hairs on our head. May we walk before you in the light of life. Help us to follow you, to perform our vows, to keep promises to you because of the wonderful grace you have shown us and the mercy that you have demonstrated in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this psalm and for your wonderful grace. May we be kept from fear and given hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to The Psalms, a Called to Words podcast. For more content, just visit calledtowords.com. I hope you will join us again next time for more riches from The Psalms.